Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, coming to you from the Redneck Riviera, a lovely courtyard by Marriott. Can't you tell from the couch and the art on the wall? It's beautiful. Uh, If you're listening to this through your phone in podcast form, I apologize. Uh, But, you know, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, like, whatever you do, follow, do that. You can watch me and Seth Emerson, the Athletics Georgia writer, Aaron Suttles, the Athletics Alabama writer. We're discussing one of the most eventful days in the history of the SEC's spring meetings. I mean, it was... It was a lot, guys. There was, we had the fallout of Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, which everybody was supposed to be on their best behavior. Greg Sankey took the, the football coaches into executive session and uh, I guess read them the Ryan Act. We don't know because it was executive super was, secret session. That's right, double secret session. So we don't know exactly what was said there. But we know that Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher didn't say anything inflammatory. Nick, uh, Jimbo Fisher didn't say anything publicly at all. Uh, Nick Saban, well, well, we'll get to that in a second. But we had simultaneously that. Then you had the scheduling conversation of, do they stay at eight games? Do they go to nine games? It certainly appears divisions are dead in the SEC once the uh, the new teams show up. Sankey so. basically told us that yeah. in answer to my question. He, 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 his, his words were, we're only looking at the single division model, which that is such a administrator-like talk like verbal yeah. single division in other words no divisions it's like i'm giving you some news here yeah but i'm not going to say it in a very quotable tweetable yeah, way i'm not i'm not going to give it to you in so many words so you have that and then you have the nil stuff which is just you know overarching everything going on and then greg sankey going in on the playoff and and giving us more detail than he's given on the playoff but aaron let's start with that coach that you cover Nick Saban, he got asked a question right out of the shoot that was, well, let's just let's just listen to it. You know, that's always been you know my major major concern. So, with that, questions, Coach uh, Olin Buchanan, TexAgs.com. Um, what evidence did you have that uh, Texas A&M bought its entire recruiting class? You know, I, I I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. You said they bought their recruiting class. I didn't say Shrug. anybody did anything that, that wrong. was the best part. Okay. Eh, you're right. You got it. I you maybe, yeah. But, yeah. You're you know, right. I think that, I'm right. Um, We're all right. You know, I guess the point, and I should have n- never mentioned any individual institutions. I said that before. But, you know, some kind of uniform uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, standard. We're uh, on to the talking points. Some kind of e- equitable... Uh, national competition, uh, I think, is really, really important in college athletics and college football. Alabama has won six and we've national titles since 2009. You know, in this equitable competition, Austin, the equitable I mean, competition, you know, whatever it might be, has been very good for one Nick Saban. It, it absolutely has. This, well, and look, I, I he did go on to say some things that are legitimate. Like he, yes. athletes need to be protected from bad deals, from bad actors, people uh, who may be claiming to represent them, who get them to sign things that are, are not valid or, or uh, they think they're signing one thing and they're actually signing another. So he did have some legitimate points. This there. is all, by the way, great talk that nothing tangible can happen with that. This Translation. Week. Yes. Yeah. Cause nobody thinks anybody did anything wrong. 
I think most people agree, like most of those coaches agree with Nick Saban. He got caught up where he said the wrong words. Yes. He said bought and he named programs. Yes. If he doesn't do any of that, all the other coaches in the league are, yeah, we agree with you. I, I would argue that 14 of the 14 yeah. coaches agree with him, including yeah. Jimbo Fisher. That, and, and it was interesting because it's sort of the – I wrote a column on Tuesday that basically my theory is the longer you have left in your working life, the less likely are you, you, you are to really complain about an NAL because you're like, this is something I'm going to have to deal with forever. Yeah, I'm just going to – so like Billy Napier, 42 years old, Whatever. He's like going over the history of the SEC and what the SEC used to give out. Very well. Yeah. Like if, if you haven't or if, if you haven't when you're listening to this or watching this uh seen what Billy Napier said, read Andy's story because yeah. you have the quote or look it up. I quoted it too. Yeah. He 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 put it in a way that I think a lot of people who are still holdouts on NIL can understand that the payout for SEC teams in nineteen ninety was like one point three million. And look at what coaches' salaries we always talk about like how much more money has gotten into college football and billy napier's point was well the players need a piece of that pie too so it's just kind of natural that they're yeah. getting it now yeah and it's it really does feel like it's generational because eli Drinkwitz, somebody was uh, actually aaron you asked him about trying to hold on to assistant coaches when people can recruit off your roster and eli Drinkwitz kind of stopped you and he's like listen i flew down here on a private plane i'm at the beach like you're not getting to poor me about any of this stuff for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Lane Kiffin, who's in his mid forties, was like it's I don't like away. this, yeah. but you have to adapt because Adapt or die. Yeah. Because there are so many coaches who didn't adapt. And I also would, uh, sorry, but I'd say Kirby Smart, who's my age, 46, uh, has said the same kind of things over the years. I remember him in 2019, uh, a couple years before NIL fully came into effect, but it would look like it was going to, talking about Rodrigo Blankenship and saying, well, he missed his window. But, you know, basically. So many rec specs. Yep. Yeah. And so someone like Kirby was like understanding that, yeah, like someone that's what NIL was supposed to be for was for people like that who could monetize their name image likeness. That's what NIL stands for while they were at their max value. Now it's turned into something else, which was entirely predictable. Yeah. And Nick Saban is going to be cast in this is unadaptable, which is completely opposite of why we say he's an all time great. Adaptability is, is his superpower. And he can adapt to this yeah. and he will. He's just asking the question basically, where, where are we going with this? We all the equitable is the word that yeah. keeps being used. But this is every, this is, is the wrong word. For this him is everyone's say, by fault, the by the way. This is the, this goes back to like the story I did on Greg Shaheen, the NCAA um, uh, guy who know, vice president. Yeah. yeah. Vice, who, who was saying behind the scenes, we need to get with basically the program here. And he was saying this in 2009. Yeah. Nobody listened to him. He ended up getting basically pushed out. And it's the, the fact that we are living in a land of no laws, as Billy Napier said, the, the fact that there are no, I like that better than the, Wild, Wild yeah, West, by the way, Yeah, the, the, living the, in a land of no laws, all, all so of this, elegant. <laughs> this lack of guardrails, this lack of regulation, it's the NCAA and the conferences and schools fault. It's not your fault, Andy Staples, and people like us who have been saying for years these guys deserved name image likeness. It's not the fault of the Supreme Court and the California State Legislature which started this. It's the fault of college well, administrators yeah. for not seeing the train coming down the road. Eli Drinkwitz said it pretty well, too. 
he basically he was talking about athletes and, and he goes, we got to start making decisions for them and not us. And, and that's, that's how you avoid getting into the situation they're in right now. But yeah, with Nick Saban, this is, and Aaron, I, I wanted to, to discuss this with you because we've seen this before. We've seen him, I'm just asking mode. Right. You know, is this what we want football to be? in regard to spread offenses. And that, that, that was basically him saying, well, if your answer is yes, I'm going to do it with better players and kick your ass. And he has adapted to every All the rule changes for oversigning were aimed squarely at Nick Saban, and he adapted and, and recruited better than everybody else. This is one, and, and here's the thing. All politics are local. Of course he would like things to be as close to the way they were as possible or what NIL was originally pitched as. Because that's great for Alabama. Absolutely. Because they can get the best players first. And, and then once you already have the best players, then you have an even more prohibitive advantage because they can make more money. Right. But the way it's worked out, which everybody could have foreseen, and Lane Kiffin said right off the bat, was that competitors will compete and they will pay them for their value as football players. And that opens the door for a Texas A&M, a Florida, a Miami, a Tennessee that maybe has not been competing with the Alabamas, Georgias, and Ohio States for these players. Here's the thing. Uh, Alabama can compete to a certain extent, and I think Florida and Miami and Tennessee can. They can't get people Texas A&M or Texas. In terms of money, sheer money. I think yeah. people are under the illusion that their favorite program just has endless coffers. That is not no. the case. Texas – Programs might have well. These are these are actual people. All of these people are actual people who got rich not by being stupid. So they're not going to just waste their money on something they feel like there's no return on investment. Yeah, they are going to be reluctant to give money to something that isn't guaranteed to be a tax break for them. So that's and you're right. As we sit here with oil at 120 dollars a barrel. Texas and Texas A&M have a distinct advantage. Probably feeling pretty good. Yeah. And they also have hunger on their side. Yes. You mentioned earlier, Alabama's got six national championships. Texas A&M doesn't. No. 1939 was a long time ago. Uh, humans get complacent after a while. So Texas A&M fans are going to be a lot more willing to pony up than this. You keep going to the same Alabama people. And well, we've won. Georgia, uh, Georgia has built, has caught up in facilities over the last less than a decade through it's all, it's nearly like 200 million dollars they've spent in on three big facilities including indoor facility and they've done that mostly through donor money right because of hunger to right. win that championship and that's, that's what Texas which yeah. now they yeah now they got one and we'll see if that converts over in NIL but that that well, equates to what that, you that give out. good word satiated by the way I, I like that word a lot and I'm exactly. glad you yeah there um, you yeah. Go. um but yeah that that is an example of what could be coming down the road for Texas well, and Texas A&M, the A&M, desperation. Texas A&M just announced $120, $120. It's a very cheap, <laughs> $120 million capital project that's going to build a new indoor football facility for the football team, a uh, new academic center for all the athletes, and I believe a new indoor track. So they are shelling out some coin. And they've got it. Yeah. And their collectives are – and that was, that was the thing I went to that I wrote about a few – a few weeks ago where they were meeting with those big donors and basically telling them, Hey, you choose how you want to do this, but we would like you to do both. Please, please continue to give us money to buy, to build buildings and please donate to the collective because 
we're going to need this. I still think the collective money is going to pale in comparison to the, to the facility uh, money. So you can guarantee that it's a, a tax write-off? I think that's a, that's a Which big problem. Which is a huge concern. Yeah. And I, I still think at the end of the day, even with Texas, eventually it's not sustainable. I don't think it's sustainable either. And I think this market will figure itself out if they just let it. But they're going to keep freaking out about this yeah. because they like It's control. the newest, latest problem. Well, and one of the things Nick Saban kept saying is, well, there needs to be a system of transparency. And I just, I, I just laughed because every private industry in America has to figure out how much to pay employees. And they don't, like, it doesn't get posted no. somewhere in on a fact, wall. In fact, there's a lack of transparency. They tell you not to ask yeah. your coworkers what they make. Well, yes. You also talk about, like, I think there's this expectation that somebody's going to do something about it. Who? Yeah. Who's going to, well, like, we are in this position. I was, so I was talking tonight, um, or Tuesday night, at the SEC event with uh, Craig Robinson, who's head of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Um, former his, Oregon State coach, right? Former Oregon State coach. His brother-in-law was famous. Guy. Was, was famous. pretty yeah. big job. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but so he he's here to speak to the basketball coaches, and we were I, I was kind of telling him, like, the same thing that – people think something's going to be done when in fact this is how it's going to be like NIL is here to stay and who is going to do something about it. They, they would need federal legislation. Who's going to do it. These are, this is here because of court cases. And, and Craig was saying, I know that, you know that I'm still trying to explain that to my coaches. Well, they think something's going to be done Seth, when you, they don't understand this is it. Yeah. Seth, you and I were talking to somebody tonight who was saying, well, you know, they better enjoy it now because it's going to change. And I'm like, no, it's not. Once this freedom has been granted, you will never be able to get it back. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. I do wonder if, if, if the SEC made it a condition, condition upon remaining in the conference voluntarily. Oh, a sanity code? That worked out real well for the NCAA. I, just, I wonder, you, you, upon, and, and you, know who, you being you know, in this conference, you have to give... Everyone's got to do this. I wonder if, if everyone... Now, I will it. say, that might work if they do it and no one else does. Because if there's another option... Players will go there. Well, but then you're competing. And and if someone sues you in but federal court on antitrust grounds, they'll say, well, they can go play over there if they don't like our system. If everybody that, does it, you're, I think you're getting into collusion well, and where, where baseball got into no, problems. What, and well, well, the that's late, where yeah. they got into problems. Basically, every NCAA rule capping income was collusion or is considered collusion based on the interpretation of that 9-0 Supreme Court decision. So, But again, if each conference did have different rules, then they could not. say it's, yeah, not collusion. it's not collusion. Yeah. And you have an option to go somewhere else yeah. to make that money. It just is not. So, but all three of us have covered the SEC for a long time. Well, why did the SEC, the, the, the SEC states, the SEC footprint was the first one. Yeah. This is the, a league that was. But they didn't start it. Yeah. Like California started yeah. it. And when that, when right. California with Gavin Newsom and LeBron James had that ceremony and say, yeah. we're going to, we're, that was for 2023 yeah and it was real quick and and at first like people in our part of the world were like oh those commie liberals in california trying to ruin and then after a little bit wait a second that's a a free market let's go and then pretty soon (laughs) i'm covering an nil press conference where brian kemp and uh you know republican legislatures are talking about how great this is and everything well this league oh i did it this league didn't i um the SEC is never going to do something that will hurt the SEC's chances to win the national title in football. They'll never put itself at a competitive disadvantage. So let us let us use logic 
as we discuss this. And logically speaking, the SEC will never, ever harm its chances to win the national title in football. So they could say that, and, and they can talk a huge game about that. But the second the ACC is like, well, we'll just keep the rules the way they are. We're good. And, and suddenly kids are going to Miami and Florida State and Clemson instead of yeah. Alabama and Georgia and LSU. Yes, until That's the over. Until the, I mean, football, college football may be a regionalized sport at this point, but as long as there are other options in this region, yeah. the SEC can't. And this is the fiat. region that wants to dominate yeah. it. So, and, and if the Big Ten did it, which they would be the, they would be the less likely to, to try to do something like that. But if they did, and then suddenly players that would have gone to Georgia and Alabama and, and, LSU go to Michigan State or Michigan or Ohio State, then again, they would change it the next day. I, I can see a scenario, a very real scenario, where this might drive Nick Saban out of college football. Well, and that's that was where I was going with that because he has adapted so many times. He can't adapt to this. It's not the it's beyond out. Al- I mean, right. He cannot make Alabama a wealthier state with more rich people. Right. Like th- it has what it has. And Texas has what it has, and Georgia has what it has, and Florida has what it has. Like, is you're talking about three very heavily populated states that there are just more rich people in. Yep. And Georgia doesn't share right. that. Florida you know, has yeah. to split it with with a bunch, but and Alabama has to split it with Auburn. Yeah. And not as many people as are in Georgia. Yeah. And I think that's that's the thing. You're right. It's it's not something he can fix. He's fixed everything else. So, but that's, and I wondered w- if there would be something, even if it was something he could fix, where he, f- where he said, you know what, I've done this enough times. I don't want to do this anymore. Because that's the real game changer, is he's the one who has dominated. He's the one who has made Alabama he's what it an is. answer for everything. But also made the SEC what it is. Like, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, a lot of that is built on what Saban has done at Alabama. So... That is, I, I think that's sort of the, the most interesting thing to watch as this goes is, is that something he cares to do? Because if anybody can solve it, it's him. But you're right, it may be unsolvable for him. I th- as it currently stands, it is. And my only question is, is, I always, when people, this conversation comes up about Saban and retirement, what else is that man going to do? I know. I know. He's not going to run those Mercedes dealerships. But if he decides this is more than he wants to do or something he doesn't want to do. And that's that's what I was getting at with the generational thing. Where Billy Napier is looking at this like this is what I've chosen. I have to do this. I right? make a good I make a really good my wife's going to kick my ass if I walk away from 6 million dollars a year. <laughs> like this is this is what I'm doing for the next 25 to 30 years hopefully. So that's that's where I think a lot of those guys are at and why I think ultimately They'll get it figured out. They'll adapt to it. There might be some sort of guardrails put up. There might be, they, they, you know, some kind of CBA situation down the road where, where they are employees, which because it's just easier for them to deal with at that point. But they'll figure it out. Let's let's move to something that they're going to figure out a lot sooner, and that's the SEC schedule because they had over thirty models presented to them. You've, you've read about, if you read The Athletic, you've read about Navigate Research, this company that gets hired by a lot of these conferences to do some things. So a few years ago, the SEC hired Navigate to look at multiple new scheduling models. Now at the time, it was with the idea of, uh, of a 14-team league you know, indefinitely. Then they add Texas and Oklahoma. Now it's for a 16-team league. 
out of the 30 models they were presented, they very quickly eliminated most of them. Based on our conversations today, Greg Sankey said a couple things, Lane Kiffin said something, and then us talking off to the side with folks. There are two models left. There is a state eight games for the conference schedule, one fixed opponent per team, seven rotating opponents, and then there is a a 3-6 model where they go to nine conference games. There are three permanent opponents. The other teams rotate through twice every four years. And either way, no divisions. Either Divisions are dead, which, I mean, the Pac-12 eliminating divisions within seconds of the NCAA changing that rule should have told you the ACC's eliminating divisions. I think they were getting rid of divisions yeah, they were before Texas to. and Oklahoma. Yeah, they were always yeah. going to. The Big Ten is eliminating divisions. And and here's why. Because I know I get a lot of people think, oh, but divisions are so historic. Well, no, they're not. They, I mean, they got rid of divisions in basketball. Yeah. Like a decade yeah, ago. Well, when Texas A&M and uh, Missouri came in and no one really yeah. batted an eye. Yeah. In a 90-year-old conference, divisions have been around for 30. So... It's not that big a deal. It's not. It's not. And the other part of it is divisions are why you probably complain about your team's home schedule and why you maybe, if you're a season ticket holder, going back and forth about renewing. Seth, you cover Georgia. Yeah. I live in Gainesville. Those two schools especially, they do not like how boring their schedule well, has Well, you and I talked about this. Yeah. We, we People demagogue the non-conference scheduling. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, why is Georgia playing Canisius Northwest right. State and whatnot? As many, when you get the real gate receipts for games, which I, I request every year, those games, those non-conference games are about as well attended as when Georgia hosts Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Missouri and teams like so that. So you're saying if Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU showed up more often that those would be better attended if you have it and that's why i think you're going to end up at three six because the eight game schedule eight versus nine it just it doesn't it doesn't work for eight with one permanent opponent aaron and i both cover programs where you lose a pretty storied rival right as georgia, on an annual georgia would lose auburn and and alabama would lose tennessee right and and i will tell you like again Let's just use some logic. And here's why 1-7 has no shot, no chance to succeed. Because 1-7 means that you would have a conference that has Texas and Texas A&M in it, and you wouldn't have Texas playing Texas A&M every year. Like, everyone in charge would need to quit their jobs, hang their heads in jail, like do the shame walk from Game of Thrones with with the, the Septa, Yelling shame as everyone walks in. No one's told me this, but that's why I think one seven is one of the final two options as sort of a poison pill. Yeah. So that because by comparison, people then go, uh, we can't do that. Okay, let's do the three six, which is what the SEC office and and the right the Georgias, Alabamas, LSUs teams and like that. And a certain uh, larger mouse that is going to own yes. all their TV rights in yes. twenty twenty four. I've had multiple SEC. Uh, ADs tell me that the ninth game schedule is going to force other schools to better their schedule. Yes. Because, listen, Alabama and Georgia and Florida to an extent, if you look how far they've scheduled out, they understand that attendance is a big issue in the future. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, 
Clemson. These are these are programs that already get this. Yeah. That have been doing this all. You have to give your fans reason to show up. Yeah. And well, if, Alabama yeah. just came around to it, but Georgia Georgia has come around to it. Oklahoma is probably the best example of a program that's been doing this all along. But you want to know why? Look at Oklahoma's Big Twelve home schedule because they don't play Texas yeah. at home. Yep. And so if you go to an angle, it, it at least forces one another one of those games to give their fans something they want. Yeah. And, the, and, and there's a feeling among certain SCADs that some schools won't be won't do it voluntarily. So they're going to have to drag them to do it. Yes. And now the, the issue is the schools that schedule for bowl eligibility want to be bowl eligible still. And they, there's a way around that. Just yeah, get rid half, of the six win right, criteria. Exactly. Exactly. You are the school. Yeah. You make the yeah. rules. And guess what? Everybody in the Big Ten would be fine doing that too. So, because here's the thing, you could move it down to five. I, I'm all for eliminating it. And then you have Mississippi State, Minnesota in the Boca Raton Bowl. I, I'd rather watch that. Yes. Yeah, I guess there's a stigma with being five and seven versus six and six. But as soon as you're letting six and six in bowls, then what's the yeah. point? Yeah, I think the the... I don't know if I'm picking on Kentucky too much here. You should you but, shouldn't pick on Kentucky. Mark Stoops says the best job in America and he's he's a miracle worker. But like programs like Kentucky seem to me to be the ones that are kind of the holdouts because they go to nine conference games, they say, Well then we're already playing Louisville, so mm-hmm. that only leaves us two basically gimme games. Right. Um what I, I think if you look at when you get into the weeds on who the permanent opponents would be the bigger programs are going to tend to play the bigger programs. The smaller programs are going to tend to play the smaller programs, which, which means like, for instance, Kentucky's, we, we got to talk about what y'all be did. playing Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And we got to talk else. about what y'all did. Cause y- y'all did a story last week where you did potential, you know, three permanent rivalries and you guys just murdered Auburn and Texas A&M just murdered. Them. All right. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Real rough. So here's the deal. Auburn has to have Alabama and Georgia, right? So guess who else they have to have? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. That's exactly right. You can't give them because yeah. because here's the here are the other I think it's where the analytical part when they're talking about future scheduling has is, to come, be. is playing in. So so here and you can change this after a period of years if you need to. But here's who the other three for Auburn could be if you just did historical rivalries. LSU, Florida, or Tennessee. They don't want any of that either. Like no. y- you could, you can absolutely murder all those programs. Also, them. have enough of their own to choose from. Like right. there, there's enough. I think that's the beauty of the three six setup. Is is within your three, you keep all these permanent rivalries. But let's say from Georgia's standpoint, they'll get South Carolina as their third one, mm-hmm. even though most would choose Tennessee. But it they By have someone to, who watched Brandon Bennett. Go over the the goal line between the hedges. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I uh, who would, but who may have been a South Carolina fan as for, a teenager. For South Carolina's benefit, though, they need to get Georgia because yeah, that's their they one. Do. Absolutely. So Georgia's going to get South Carolina as their third choice, which means they only play Tennessee twice every four years, which isn't ideal, but it's still twice every four right. years, and you add a little bit of a specialness to yeah, it. You still might get it's a still better than game. only playing Texas A and M once since they entered the right. league. And that's the thing. Georgia will play Texas A&M and LSU every once in a while. And Oklahoma. Like, and yeah, they, they will play yeah. all these teams. Twice every four years. Twice every four years. Yeah. I. That's the part I, I've never understood, because I've been writing about this since 2019. 
And I wrote my first, the SEC should get rid of divisions column when I wrote for a former yes. publication. Yes. So it was before you 2017, yeah. maybe earlier. And so, people said I was nuts. Yeah. This was proposed. Well, well. <laughs> this was proposed by, look A&M. at me now. This was proposed by Texas A&M in like 2018, 2017 or 2018. I think it was 2017. And it's been percolating because ADs like Scott Strickland from Florida, Josh Brooks from Georgia, they want to fill their stadium. They want to sell seats. Because that's the, if we talk about everything being done for television. There's still a significant amount of money being made from season tickets. Now, Alabama and Georgia, the two teams you it gets covered. back to like how many times do you look at when 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 you tweet out this is the team's home schedule this year and they say, Oh, yeah. that's a terrible home schedule. And a number of those are SEC yeah. games because it's I feel like it's got, more of an issue in the East than it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's definitely more of an issue in the East. The, the yeah. West schools are going to have some fun. You know, if you're if you're Texas A&M, you're getting Alabama every other year. You're getting LSU every other year. You're getting Auburn every other year. I mean, even now, like at Ole but Miss, is I think I think the West schools, the West schools are going to like it because they're going to get Vanderbilt and Missouri and South Something Carolina like a little bit more. Like for the people in the seats. No, but you're going to get a little. You're going to trade. Oh, at you're going to trade though, a little bit of the. Um, you're you're going to trade a little bit more prestige from the West teams for having a little bit more, and you'll have a mix. Even Vandy's attendance is going to go up because the at Vanderbilt for for the schools that don't get to go to Vanderbilt all the time, like the trip to Nashville, they're going to go like, they're going to be super excited. It's not, it's not uncommon to see the visiting team. take. I I saw that this past year and I I see that pretty much every time Georgia goes there. Yeah. So I, I think, that is a, a bigger component to this than people want to realize. And I, this is what I've been saying all along when, when the, the people from the other leagues complained about the SEC playing eight conference games. And that's the re- Listen, they're still going to compete for national titles with nine, but it had nothing to do with what anybody else was doing. Market forces are pushing them to nine. And like ESPN's going to put its thumb on the scale. I, I know Greg Sankey said, oh, we, we keep our TV partners informed, but we don't. No, no. ESPN's like, Please do that. We'll be right back after these words. Which is where the college football playoff expansion comes into this discussion. Yes, which is our next topic, by the way. Glad that is a dynamite transitioner. So Greg Sankey was being very lighthearted and jovial about all of this stuff, about Jimbo versus Nick and everything else. Uh, in fact, uh, he's even having a little fun with Brian Kelly. Uh, I will I will narrate for, for those of you who are listening but uh, this was this was quite a moment here. We're all interviewing Brian Kelly upstairs. Greg Sankey comes up behind him. Brian Kelly has no idea he's there and, and gets a very interesting question. Coverage and media, but they, they weren't wrestling in there, I can tell you that. There was no Is wrestling. the worst part about being in a conference you have to deal with the commissioner? No. Over your shoulder? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? What yeah. narc said he's no, over your shoulder? Uh, media, setting him up. No, he's... <laughs> He's been great. He asked you a softball. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's Greg no, Sankey. No, he asked you a softball. Yeah, so Brett McMurphy asked this question of now that you're in a – which is a great – just a great line because he's left Notre Dame. He's in so a conference. So bizarre to see him. All right. And Greg Sankey is standing there behind Brian Kelly who has no idea that, that Greg Sankey's standing there. And then some cop, I don't know who it was, goes, he's over your shoulder. <laughs> Come on. You kill because I, I want to know what he would have said now. I, I have nothing on that. 
Yeah. I, I was just thinking of when we went to Starbucks and Brian Kelly ran past us and said he had to go up to his hotel room because it was cold, cold in, in here. Yeah. Rooms. yeah. So, so the man who just lived in South Bend for the last 12 years got frozen out. Uh, but Sankey was in a great mood, was very lighthearted until someone asked about the playoff. And the question was about the, the whole idea of the SEC tournament season ending, which I wrote about in February. Pete Thamel wrote about it last week. It, it is, is percolated as a conversation topic, even though it doesn't seem like it feels it's like a reach. It feels like leverage is what it feels like. Because the SEC is the one conference that can say that, and it's not right. It's not laughable. It actually Because ratings would be incredible. Right. And yes, some network would pay a lot of money for that. So, but it's probably not what they're going to do. And it's not and, good for college football. And, and Greg Sankey's like, no, no, that's not leverage. That lives in a folder somewhere. And I, but but you know it is leverage. And then he gets very serious all of a sudden. He's like, listen, the twelve year first college football playoff contract runs out at the end of the 2025 season. And we have no plan beyond that. After we that, have nothing. We have literally nothing. nothing. That was his quote. Yes. We have nothing. So and he got very specific about some of the things. Uh, the the most expansive, he, expansive he's ever been about the topic of an eight-team playoff. And uh, we've reported this a few times because Sankey has, has been pretty clear that the basics of it, they want more at-larges than there are now. There are four at-larges now. They would be good with more. And so an eight-team playoff, he's like, if it's the eight best, by all means, let's rock and roll. If it's not, if it's six AQs and two at larges, I'm not on board. And and he said, and he gave the example. He says that if you take the number eight team out and say, nope, not you, you don't get to do this, and put the number twenty team in because of AQs, right? That is not a sustainable playoff model. Now, I would say some people would push back on that. Yeah, right. I think he would say that because his team's never going to be in that position, but. The Pac-12 champ might be in that position. The ACC champ might be in that position. We'll see what happens with the new Big 12. I don't think the new Big 12 champ is going to ever be in that position. I think they're going to be in the top 8 or 9 or 10 or whatever. But it is going to be you know, an issue if you do that for some people. And, and so that's why. And they have all the leverage now. Now, uh, our friend James Crepia, who uh, works in uh, works in Oregon now, but somehow managed to wrangle it. He used to cover Auburn. Somehow managed to wrangle a trip to Destin, Florida. He likes the beaches. Yeah. Asks some really penetrating, questions lengthy about, questions about sports that can split up scholarships. So not football or basketball. So love James. Hopefully he's not credentialed next year. <laughs> I love you, James. No, he tr- he, but he but tried, seriously, he yes, tried he's to ask next the year. money question. Not about money, but the the sixty four thousand dollar question. Because George Klyavkov, the Pac twelve commissioner, did say in December, "Hey, if we wanted to change the playoff early before the contract ran out, it had to be a unanimous vote of of the ten conferences and Notre Dame." But the next time around, it doesn't have to be. And so James is going through majority, supermajority, and Greg Sankey's just shooting this all down. He does not, not want to answer this. He, he does not want to answer this question. But the truth of the matter is. They don't all have to agree to do something like that. Now, what Sankey said, basically, again, comes back to, and this is the source of his frustration with this, I think. They're going to finish at 12. They're going to 
argue about and it. And they're just not doing it now because of spite. Right. They're going to they're gonna do it. and it's- Maybe a little bit because Fox wants in. Well, but they, they would have gotten in anyway. That That's the part nobody understands. Like, if they'd have done the new prop- or the proposal that Sankey and Craig Thompson and Jack Swarbrick and Bob Bowlesby made, there would have been a new round of those games played on, on campus, that first round. ESPN would have no claim to that because... The ones that are played in bowls, yes, ESPN has a contractual claim to those games. The other ones would have been complete, oh, a, a completely new product if Fox wanted to buy them. And and you could have been like, wink, wink, hey, Fox, if you want to really get in on this thing, then when the when the deal ends, you could overpay for these next couple of years. And so they're going to sell it to a bunch of different networks. That's going to happen. I, I know the, the fear is that ESPN will take it. I don't think anybody's going to let that happen yeah. there's too much money in it to, to split it up so especially when you throw streaming in oh absolutely absolutely so they're going to probably come up with something that looks exactly like what those four guys came well, up it, with it, it mu- much like when we look at the three six scheduling model you look yes. at it and you go this this just makes too yeah. much sense well that's why I, I talked to jack swarbrick the notre dame ad at the acc meetings and very similar to Sankey when, when they talk about this. like It's like their head's going to explode because they just know. It's it's like in Zoolander, Mugatu. Mugatu I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like My, my favorite thing in the picture is, is Greg Sankey on January 11th in Indianapolis. How smug he must have been. Oh, yeah. With two of his teams in the championship. Oh, he said after it after the whole thing. He said it uh, like five days later at Georgia's celebration at Sanford Stadium. His thing, I think, a fourteen playoff worked out great. But to get back to what we were talking about yeah. about this, you know, trial balloon, if that's even what it is, of uh, an SEC only playoff, which I think I mentioned in our private Slack channel like last year, like yeah. basically for fun, an SEC like you know basically yeah. take its ball and go home. Yeah. You know, why right, we'll make our own playoff. Yeah. We've this, got this, and, we've got but, Texas in Oklahoma now but like the thing is whatever you want to say about ratings Georgia and Alabama twice being the national championship game has more luster because Georgia and Alabama went through other teams first Georgia having clobbered Michigan and then four years ago five years ago I guess now Georgia having that classic Rose Bowl game against Mm -hmm. Oklahoma yep Um, Alabama beating Clemson along the way beating Cincinnati along the way this year that you you do need the other conferences. You need the supporting characters. Oh, well, you absolutely do because if you want it to be a national proposition, this, and this is my thing, they have to have a way so that the country is represented. Every region of the it's country the best thing for the game. needs to be right. It's good for the sport. Everybody makes more money that way, and it kind of makes things more interesting during the regular season. So I don't this is not this and this is the frustration from Sw- from Sankey, from Swarbrick, from Bowlesby, which kind of shocked me because I, I thought with the Big Twelve that they would want the AQ for themselves, want to be guaranteed a spot for their champion. But he said he feels like his lawsuit bait, so he didn't even want it, which is crazy. Like <laughs> so, that they've got to figure that out. the 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 Big Ten, I don't understand why. Kevin Warren is so intent on having it an feels AQ. Feels personal. Rating. Like we're just going to do this to spite. Because the Big Ten champion is always never not going to be one of the six highest ranked yeah. champs. Yeah. Never. Yeah. 
My theory is it goes back to 2020, COVID year. Maybe. SEC played on Notre Dame. Could have been well, the, the ACC played on too, and Jim Phillips was, was the biggest obstructionist in all this. And Notre Dame jumped in. Well, Jim Phillips was in the Big Ten yeah, in 2020. That's true. Um, Notre Dame could have probably ended it, but when they said we're going to play on and we're going to stay in, and force their hand, yeah, and then Big Twelve obviously was the linchpin, and yeah. that night, that Tuesday night, August 12th, 2020. <laughs> Not that um, we remember. Well, I wrote a big story on it. It was just yeah, a couple months of my life I feel working like my on that job story. Got saved that night. Yeah, I'll be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, and so I wonder if a lot of that was. I mean, look at the. the it feels, it yeah. feels very personal. Yeah, even you talking about Sankey when he got serious. It, the whole thing feels very personal. Yes, but on all accounts, yeah. all around. Yeah. And so I think what they're saying, and, and I don't, I think Greg Sankey's still taking it personally, it sure sounds like. But at some point, those people, and at some point soon, those people are going to have to get together and they're going to need to hammer this out. And so just do it. I, it's, like I, we said, it's going to 12. Yeah, I think that's, that may be saying there's, there's it, it makes too much sense. There's too much money. Mm-hmm. For for everybody, it benefits too many people. Right, and that's that's the the level of frustration from the four guys who made the original plan was this gave something to everybody, and I feel like Sankey's going to be a little more of a hardline negotiator because he said, "Well, maybe the SEC won't support the idea of the four teams with buys must yeah. be conference champs." Yeah. And you know what? They now have the leverage to get that if they want it. Because who's again? The Big Ten is the only league that otherwise, other than the SEC, that matters in this. Do thing. you think he? Do you think he was playing coy Tuesday night in his answer about an SEC only playoff, or or other people? I, I my read on it was he was playing coy. Uh, other people's read on it was he was basically saying, "Ah, you know, we're not really doing it." People to think in the back of their minds that this is get, their nuclear option. We don't have a plan now. Get a plan together or... Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah. I is, think I think he's continuing option. to play coy a little bit and saying there's no deal. There's nothing happening in 2026 would be the first yes, season. That season. There, there's nothing happening then. So we've got 16 teams now. Yeah, we'll do our own playoff as a default if mm-hmm. you don't do anything and you guys are going to have a playoff without us. Okay. It's going to be fascinating. Guys, I appreciate it. I have kept you way too long tonight. We have a trip to the Red Bar for tomorrow night that we must plan. Don't tell everyone where we're going to be. Do it. You you think people want to come see us? Woo! Let's go see a bunch of sports writers eat some grouper. That's not really... Sign me up for the grouper. Aaron's got some groupies. The grouper is amazing. Am I not allowed to talk about that on the air? Grouper grouper groupies? What? What are we talking about? (laughs) No. Aaron Suttles definitely does not have groupies or or stalkers. Absolutely not, So we're not going to talk about Mm -hmm. that. None. No. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Stars matter on Thursday with Ari Wasserman and Mitch Light. All the recruiting news that's fit to yak about. And then on Friday, we'll be back probably talking a little more SEC because there may be a little more clarity on that schedule. We'll talk to you then.